All right, this is our Agile After Dark show about Agile Urban Legends. In this episode, we talk a lot about pins from 1776, and we find out that Christy knows more than she is willing to admit. Welcome to Agile After Dark, the podcast that addresses Agile topics not talked about in the light of day. Today's episode is Agile Urban Legends, fun with folklore. I'm your host, Greg Adams-Woodford, and with me today I have Brandon Gartley, our resident nerd, and not really just about Agile, just generally a nerd. We are also joined by Christy Clement. I have a hard time describing Christy. Uh, I don't know. Christy, if you want to talk about yourself and a little bit about your background, I think that would be the best way to move forward. Wow. Thanks for putting me on the yep. spot there. That's that what was, I do. That That's was what wonderful. I do. I'm called the host, okay? <laughs> um... About me, like agile wise, just in general, you know, you know, sailor, general adventurer, do a little agile on the side, love doing it. I've been doing agile for seven and a half years, you guys. Wow, seven and a half years. I know, I get very precise about that, you like until must, <laughs> apparently, yeah, you must be very young, <laughs> <laughs> so young. And Brandon, how about you? Be, being a resident nerd, I've tagged you with that. Maybe that's true, maybe that isn't true. No, I think it's true. I, you know, I'm the guy that likes to look up stuff, act like I know what I'm doing, and tell other people about it. So. Well, and we're going to find out because some of the things you're talking about will actually prove that. So um, what I want to do is say we're here in Tucson, Arizona. We're in a hotel that is um, the wind, Westward Look. Wind, there's no way I'm saying that. It's a tongue twister, man. It is a tongue twister. But more importantly, the most important thing is that we're in the room that John Wayne stayed in when he was making movies in Old Tucson at the studios in Old Tucson. And in fact, we also have used the bathroom that he used. So Which, which is shared. So it's not like this weird, bathroom. of course, we'd be in the room and use his bathroom. The, yeah. yeah. That's correct. So, Makes sense to me. So There were some pooping jokes earlier. There but... was. There was. We all decided to... To spend I brought a little it up. time in there to <laughs> make sure that we could have that story later on. So um, what we want to do is uh, jump into um, kind of what we're talking about. This is uh, Agile Urban Legends, Fun with Folklore. Um, this is one talking about topics that are kind of, um, you know, they're, they're typical or, or standard, but that maybe there's a little uh, twist to them. And so we're going we're gonna to think about the other side of these, uh, the folklore of Agile. And urban legends. So, um, Brandon, I think you have the first section. There's something about pins and labor, some weird old timey thing. Yeah, you want me to get to how we got here? I mean, sure. I, I don't know. I thought it'd be a good sure. place to start. Um, how far you want me to go back? You want me to be like way back or just kind of like well, a little bring bit? Up some like, if, are we if going it goes back to the 1700s? If you're going to start there, are you? I'm probably going to start there. Oh. <laughs> Unbelievable. I want to hear this. Yeah. yeah. Let's, How let's did I know? Yeah. How did I know? Right? We, we might yeah. cut you How off. How did I know? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm in charge of sound. Yeah. So. so look, little, little, little Scott named uh, Adam Smith came up with uh, this great little book called Wealth of Nations. Um, and the whole idea behind it is he noticed that, you know, when people were making pins, it took 12 steps. Now, I don't know what kind of pins were they were back that day. So like but, writing pins? Yeah, no, pins? like pins, like P-I-N-S, pins. Like you pin, pin the thing. Yeah. 
But there's 12 steps to making a pin back in 1776 for some reason. Okay. And you yeah. found this where? Yeah. it's Well, it's in his book. You never heard of Wealth of Nations? I it's have. It's kind of one of those core things. I had, yeah. I, I feel like back in high school, economics or history or something like that. A light reading. Yeah. I mean, Adam Smith is like the invisible hand guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He is. Wait a yeah. second. Stop. You're, you're verging on nerd. <laughs> Knock it off, Christy. You're getting a That's nerd all done. I know. That is all I know. So the whole idea is he was, you know, watching these people making these really complicated pins back in the day and each person was making one pin and they said hey wouldn't make more sense to have people do different steps of that right and so that kind of gave us into like the waterfall thing but interestingly enough a lot of people because he came up with this this concept people thought smith you know thought that people weren't very intelligent but the truth is he said no it's actually the assembly lines actually what make people unthoughtful they just kind of do what they do without much the assembly line that he created yeah yeah. So, okay. I'm not too bored yet. So keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So not, you know, a little bit later than that. Um, if we're going to get into software development, right. Not a lot of software in 1776. It's so a little bit later, uh, in 1970, uh, Dr. Winston Royce, who was a director at Lockheed software technology center, um, came up with what's called the Royce model. And this is really considered kind of how he got to waterfall. Is this like Royce of Rolls Royce fame? No, it's not. Okay, just yeah. checking. Yeah. Just, Good old Dr. The, Royce. Our, our listeners are going to want to know. Yeah, they're going to want to know. And especially since, you know, it's probably the, the five people that are listening to this, you know, that, that. <laughs> five, <laughs> yeah. including mom. Hi, mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So maybe six with you know some cousins mixed in. Right. Um, but, you know, since some of them, you know, I don't know how much your mom knows about agile, but, uh, you know, this is kind of the beginning of waterfall and the. He kind of came up with this easy read of 11 pages that kind of reads like a, a Dan Brown book. Uh, instead okay, of I a, do know Dan Brown. You know okay, Dan Brown. I do okay. know Dan Brown. But I don't yes. think Dan yeah. Brown yes. wrote about Agile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this 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 page turner of a of a paper has uh, instead of the kind of the religious symbols that a Dan Brown book would have, uh, it has kind of like all of like our you know the steps you know through the gateways and all of those things and stuff like that. And that was kind of no one really thought about building software that way before, right? Um, so, but even he during that in that paper you know, recognize that it was a, you know, it was risky and invites failure if we're, you know, if we're going to follow this model and even proposed prototyping in the paper. So for us as agilists, it's kind of interesting. We always think, you know, the way that waterfall kind of carried on from there, uh, we, that we thought that, wow, you know, so this is guy. this is this the guy that wrote the paper? Because I always hear this anecdote yeah. of the waterfall paper that had the picture of the waterfall, and at the end of the paper, which nobody read to, because they only saw the picture and then created the waterfall model. He said, "Don't do this; yeah. it won't work." Is that the guy? Yeah, that's the guy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Again, approaching nerddom. Yeah, Christy. Okay. Not that I've read the paper. I've just read the story, <laughs> I, and I retell that story. I just that's all I know. So risky <laughs> invites failure is the wording that he used. Whoa. Not not you know. Why did I do this? It's crap. <laughs> right. So so from there, you know, uh, kind of a lot of the big the big players in software development kind of decided to, to take this on and adopt it, you know, including like the DOD. Um, because of the picture. Because, that's well, that's yeah. what we're talking about right. here, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. But, uh, in the, you know, and through the 80s and stuff, the DOD experimented with Waterfall quite a bit. Uh, and they ran a lot of problems in a review, I think, in 1999. Um, the rates in a sample of the DDD project show they had really messed up. I think, uh, if I'm reading this correctly, of a total $37 billion for the sample set, 75% of the projects failed or were never used. And only 2% were without extensive modification. So, um, so yeah, so that's, you know, we kind of, kind of, from those, those ashes, 
if you will, of failure. <laughs> kind of rose the, the the phoenix is agile. Is that yes, what we're saying? Fe- this we're going to phoenix is agile. Why not? We'll just we'll just go there. Wow. You know, but you know, we're, I'm not going to go into kind of the whole manifesto. I mean, we're at our own little resort here, so it kind of makes me feel like the lodge and snowbird ski resort in Utah. Like, hey, you know, that's oh, what they're you know, oh, they, they, yeah, they, yep, yeah. I, I do. I know a little bit about that. Yeah, even yeah. The I'm, manifesto. I'm not a nerd. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Greg. that that kind of like that the uh, progression of hey we're gonna need to just not have one person working on one pin we're gonna have them work on the different parts of making the pin which does is- anybody find it interesting that all these agile companies are either in utah or boulder colorado what's going on with that is it the rarefied air i mean how's it all centered around those places I was re- I was really hoping for the common denominator to be like Washington State and Colorado because mm. I can I can tell you what the difference is there. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I wasn't. Should I say it? <laughs> well, I think we I all think, know. Yeah, I think we do now. And California was just added. So, um, <laughs> so, so that's uh, I just think it's interesting. Sn- at, at the Snowbird Ski Resort, what mm. were they doing? Okay. I, I would have liked to been a fly on that wall. You know, that would be interesting. There, you know, a few a few drinks were flowing and. Some ideas were put out there and, you know. Interestingly, drinks are flowing here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. Not enough. Yeah, I would say. (laughs) You know, I I find this funny that we're we're calling this Agile After Dark because the plan has been always that we would be, you know, having a few beers while we're recording this podcast because that's what makes us funny. Yeah, so, so we have to give some props out to Sonny because he uh, he's the one who came up with the Agile After Dark. Yeah, thank you, Sonny. Show name. Thank you, appreciate Sonny. that. But the, but the, actually, the concept for the podcast did come about as we were uh, at some meeting all together, the three of us drinking. talking about drinking and talking about um, some of the things that we found sort of tedious or humorous or miscon- misconceptions about Agile and having a little fun with it. And that's kind of what we're trying to do, especially when this this episode about urban legends, fun folklore, we're trying to kind of get into those. And I think this, the next kind of, the next uh, section is kind of going to talk about like, what are the things that people assume about agile or take advantage or overuse? Now, you know, a lot of times these words use us before we can use them. The word transformation comes to mind. The word agile comes to mind. The words, you know, all the things that we say on an ongoing basis, innovation, all these things, they tend to lose their currency because they get used so much and they lose their, their, their power. So, Part of what we want to do is kind of bring us back to what how those things started and have a little fun with it. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. But if you have questions or feedback, please send them to feedback at agileafterdark.com. I started doing Agile in two. 1999-2000. Now, I suck. We, I didn't even know what it meant. But it, for it, literally, that was about the time that I started. And we used cards instead of post-it notes, right? Because so, that was back in the day before post-it well, notes? Not necessarily. But hey, it, Are you it, that old? What was interesting, yes, <laughs> I am so that old. And yes, it, we used cards because they didn't have sticky stuff back then <laughs> oh in those God. days. Did you have, like, didn't invent glue. Did you have, so you have like Elmer's there. glue? No. <laughs> so we used these cards. Thank you. We used these cards and we would put the cards all, literally, I'm not joking, we put the cards all over the floor. And that's how, it was basically story mapping before I knew how, what any of these terms meant. It was story mapping. And so I would do every one of my presentations my, in my house, on my bedroom floor, there would be cards everywhere all over the floor. And my wife was like, what is wrong with you? And we'd do it at work, we'd have cards all over the floor. So anyway, that's just an, 
fun little anecdote about my age. So um, for this next bit, we're going to talk about the top five urban legends around Agile. So I want to know, how, top five, how, how did we come up with that? You don't remember when we were all yelling at each other in the room and whoever was the loudest? <laughs> I do remember that. Got oh. theirs in. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty much how we got Very here. scientific. Which is, you know, why Greg gets number five instead of number one. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'll take that as my cue to go. So uh, number five, it's, it's that Agile only works in startups and... What I think is interesting about this one is that if you're in a startup, you have to be agile because you're just looking for your next customer. So there's no there's no way you cannot operate in an agile, even if you're not calling it that, because you won't be in business. The other thing is you have a direct line to your customers in, in startups, whereas in larger organizations, sometimes it, get, it gets abstracted because the enterprise is so large that... The you know there's there's more service related work versus a direct customer related work, so you lose line of sight with the customer. Yeah, I mean you've had some experience in startups, right? So I mean you've kind of seen the best and worst of both worlds. I mean, is it it is more innate to to startups in that way, or it's just it, it really is such a struggle in the larger ones that it doesn't work? Well, the first job I had really was at a startup first real job I had was at a startup. And, and in fact, we didn't call it agile, but we acted in a very agile way, which is sort of how I learned how to think that way. But we didn't call it agile then. I mean, I'm sure agile was a word that was used because it's been used for, for a long time, but we didn't think about it that way. But because of the way we had to operate from a not only just a business perspective, but everybody had to know and understand the goal of the business and able to be able to execute. So it just was innately an agile function. So are we not just proving the urban legend here? It's a good question. <laughs> what I'm going to say, though, is that it's easy to do it in a startup. I will it's agree not easy with that. to do it in a large organization. And but that's, can we do it yeah. is the question. It was the only really works was the, the only really works in a startup. And I think we probably all have experience in large organizations where we've had wins. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I can I can point to lots of teams in, you know, huge fortune, you know, 10 and 50 companies that have had really major wins because of their agile teams and agile programs and and things like that for sure. And I might argue that it actually works better in large organizations because that's where you need that sort of thinking and mentality as opposed to a startup. I think the impact is bigger. Yeah. Is what I would say about that. Yep. It's it's hard to do, it's especially to do. when they're used to all of the waterfall governance and BS, right? Mm -hmm. We love that. Well, we've all had the experience because that's most of the companies we're working for now are large organizations, right? Because they're trying to make this transformation into, you know, agile. So, um, so I think that is a myth. And I think that we're everything that points in the market now towards the transformations are to large organizations. Which takes us to our number four. Uh, is really, is, people talk about, you know, agile doesn't work in larger projects, right? And or really large programs. Well, and we all know that and I can only say this through experience of being an executive, it always fails at the executive level. Almost always a project, an agile initiative will fail because of senior management not supporting so it. So Greg is saying it's all your fault. It is all my yep. fault. And I've been coached a lot over the years to make that not happen. So okay, I but we're supposed to be disproving the myth, right? Yeah, I think we, we are. I think we've all seen it and we kind of talked about it on the previous point, which is, you know, we've seen wins that do make a big difference at large organizations. Mm -hmm. Now, 
for the Fortune 10 to 50, are you going to make the entire organization and their systems safe or agile in That's some way? That's way harder and That's, takes years. That takes, right? yeah, but it has been done, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and, and mm -hmm. I think, so that that is kind of one of those things when we're talking about these myths, right? Which is, you know, if I'm an executive, I'm pointing at Greg because this is a visual podcast. I only brought that up because I wanted to talk about myself. Okay, yeah. Okay, let's hear right. it, Greg. Yeah, but, I mean, but if I'm an executive, uh, then one of the things I'm thinking about agile is I'm hearing these things. Right. These are the myths that I'm mm -hmm. hearing, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm kind of interested in that's That's why I thought when we were yelling at each other, we had some good points that kind of snuck <laughs> through. <laughs> I wonder if we can convince the bartenders in that uh, in that bar when we were doing that. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. We should. We should have had them dot vote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's the next thing that we have is number what this would be three is talks about documentation um, that that Agile has no documentation um, the point is that it's trying to reduce waste. So you're trying to do less documentation, not no documentation, because we know that artifacts are an important part of any business initiative. And in some cases they're required, especially if you're in like financial services, for instance, there have to be, there has to be a certain amount of documentation for the business to function from a legal perspective. Yeah. And I think, you know, this one's a little bit different, not in the sense of, oh, why would I not do Agile? This is more of like the executives, yes. wink, wink, nudge, nudge, looking right. at Greg, being like, oh, hey, yeah, we, we don't need to do documentation, so we're not going to do that anymore. The executives? Right. Here's, well, here, I've seen lots of other people being like, right. woohoo, no more documentation. I'm so excited. Did you yeah. see the manifesto? It says no documentation. But yep. It doesn't say that. does not say that. It, does it just not say says that. We, we are going for working software over comprehensive documents. Yeah. Right. Business right. analysts cringe when they see Agile because they're like, well, what am I going to do? Because my whole job is writing documents. But we love our business analysts. Their skills are amazing. Analysts. That's right. That's absolutely right. And we um, love them even more when they adopt Agile yeah. principles. Yes, for sure. You hear that business analyst? So the the last one we talked about was was not being able to meet deadlines. And, and sure, we can fool ourselves that Waterfall was amazing at at meeting, uh, you know, both the scope and the deadlines and then being amazing for the customer. Right. Let's all raise our hands if that ever happened. Yeah. yeah you know, DOD, I, DOD really found that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love, I love asking that in my classes. So I, I keep track of how many people I've trained over the last 7.5 years. How, how many? Over 2000. And I'm, I'm one of those, by the way, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in the top 10 <laughs> percent tier though right yeah yeah, yeah. The, for sure yeah, for sure right. i i also in in addition to the number i also keep track of my favorite students right greg yes, exactly, was, right. was right. definitely there um but i i love asking people kind of just by raise of hands how many people have had a successful waterfall project where they not only came in you know by the date with the right scope but also pleased the customer guess how many people answer that question with an affirmative <laughs> like nobody, right? So I think sometimes we look look upon waterfall projects with rose-colored glasses that like they were amazing. And so therefore, like this agile thing, if we don't hit the deadline with exact scope, then we failed. But the reality is we weren't being successful before. So not to say that agile is not successful, but what we want to focus on is a little different. We don't want to focus on deadline and scope. We want to focus on making our customer happy. And and if we if we if they're really crazy about the date like we need to go live by x we're gonna get them the most important stuff by that date well and christy what about it's i don't think it's just about making a customer happy i think it's about making the people who are working happy as well That's right a good because point. in so many places that i've gone into where i've gone in and was hired to clean up a problem 
most of the problems were related to people not being connected to their work. They, it was, it was, they were unhappy. They didn't know why they were there. They didn't know why they failed all the time. One thing I love to say about Agile is Agile washes away the shame because there's constant failure and guilt associated with those waterfalls. That's probably projects, why I liked always. it so much because there was so much shame. Like shame. Back when yeah. I was a waterfall project manager. Oh, shame. Wasn't that fun when you had to always like walk up to everyone every day and say, hey, how are we doing? It? Where are you on this? Like, I know it's doing two My days. developers hated me. <laughs> I hated myself. I can't imagine that, though. You're so right, fun. Maybe they, yeah, but I was a pain in the butt. I, I wanted to use a different word there, but I, I'm trying to be really good. I've only had one beer. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, not not that was part of the reason that when I when I sort of learned about doing agile the right way, cause I did it the wrong way first. Uh, I was like, I was in love with it. Cause all of the stuff that I hated about just bugging the crap out of developers every day. And like, where are you with this? And where are you with that? And Oh, that date that you told me not to put down on my Gantt chart. I put it down anyway. I didn't have to do that stuff anymore. You and know, I could actually like treat them like real people. Yeah. You, you know, and one of the things that I would do because selling agile to executives is a hard thing because they're so used to waterfall and they want reports and they want data. They don't know why they want it. They just want it. They need to see a report is I would do this thing that I call stealth agile where I would go in and we would just start doing things. And then pretty soon people were like, well, they seem happier. Maybe we should look at what they're doing. And then pretty soon it becomes an infectious thing throughout mm -hmm. the organization. And then things are working and then you're like, Oh yeah, we're doing agile. And they're like, Oh, I guess we're doing agile now. But you know, cause otherwise that, that whole Big bang, let's all sell it and try to do it. That's it's just a hard way to do anything. Would you agree, Christine? I, I totally agree. I've, I've I've seen some clients that they're the best buy-in has become when or has come when they they don't use any of the agile words. They, we just sort of introduce those concepts to your point, the stealth agile, and they not that they think they made it all up themselves, but they they really own it because they came up with it. And it might take a little bit longer, but. They, they truly, truly, I can, I feel comfortable walking away from an organization like that. They're not going to just revert back to how they were doing things before because they believe in it. Yeah. And I would say there's this, there's sort of this three kinds of ways to think about agile. One is this sort of ethereal kind of abstract way. One is actually getting it in your head, meaning, you know, the rules and the principles, and then there's, you actually live it. Right. And I don't know why people turn into robots when they go to work, because in your own personal life, you don't behave that way, right? And so why why does it change when you go to work? And so that's one of the things I try to tell people that I stress a lot when I'm talking to people is this is this is no different than the way you do the rest of your life, live the rest of your life. Things come up, you change, you adapt, you there's no different. It's not that complicated. One thing I'm adding this to the list, okay? I'm gonna have a rant here. This is a bit, a rant, Greg's rants. Oh God. <laughs> I forgot my rant. I got so, I haven't got the rant. Well, I forgot what the You know, rant. as you were talking about that, I was thinking we should, as a future podcast, talk solely about how people do agile stuff at home. I'll, I will tell, so Jason and I, uh, audience, you're listening. My husband is also an agile coach, but oh, he's, he, and he's, you guys he's, know he's listener number seven. Actually. <laughs> oh yeah. Good point. Good point. Hi, sweetie. Uh, <laughs> um, you should, you should see how many post-its that we have at home guys. Oh, what I was going to say is agile oh, too many beers. Uh, Jason's an agile coach too. And we, we really do use this stuff at home and lots of post-its at home. Yeah. I remember when I started, my family told me to stop coaching them at one point. <laughs> they literally, I'm not joking. They actually told me, stop coaching, stop coaching me. And that's the truth. But, but think about it. That's why a roadmap is better than a plan, right? A plan is just a string of artifacts of prior failures. 
and that's what a process is, right? It's a roadmap is you have an objective and you're making commitments, but you're just not sure how you might get there. And there may be things along the way that change, but you're still making a commitment. So one of the other myths is you don't make commitments in Agile. That's not true. You do make commitments in Agile. You just are aware that things may change over time, right? And a plan implies that you make a plan. And I'm how many times you're I'm sticking to my plan. doesn't matter how absurd that is. I'm sticking to my plan. Well, Stop using any P words. Process, plan, just stop it. It's they're they're all bad. They're all bad. Yeah, P Do words. clients love it when you say that? When you go in and you just say stop using P words? Uh I actually do say that and I do <laughs> I didn't think about it until just now because I do now remember all the looks I got and I'm like, oh maybe that did sound weird. I, I think I think I, you should really take that feedback yeah, into thank your you. future I'm gonna, clients. I'm writing that down right now. You're it's welcome. Sticky. Oh my God. All right. So, what are we doing next? All right. So, number one uh, is because, you know, I haven't said anything yet because I just kept saying things on repeat while the two of you came up with creative ideas. I kept saying <laughs> the same thing, <laughs> which is this concept of the inmates running the asylum, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, the idea that the best way to approach work is coming from the team level, that that creates some chaos and a kind of a free for all, right? You know, if you're looking at, and say, we call the program or portfolio, but basically anything outside the team. You know, the idea that they kind of own the work and, and are looking at it, that that somehow creates an issue. Um, and it's very much against the command and control, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's pushed down, pushed down the team. Uh, and so that's kind of raises some concerns, I think, from uh, levels above the team. The teams love it, obviously, right? Yeah, well, the inmates love it when they get to run the asylum. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, 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 100%. <laughs> so, so, yeah, and I think, you know, and it's kind of the reality, too, in, in working what, you know, this now knowledge economy. Right. I mean, the expectation is that people are going to be given responsibilities and they're going to be asked to kind of carry through it based on the work and knowledge that they have. And as we say all the time, I do a lot of team coaching and the team. It's so funny. They kind of almost have kind of this thing in their head where they're saying, wait, I'm the one that knows it best. And I'm the one that's supposed to be able to say to the the people tell me what needs to get done, that this is the best way to do it. You know, it, it very much breaks that that cycle. I, I have seen some kind of dysfunctional agile teams where the inmates are kind of run on the asylum when we don't have a really good vision and roadmap for those teams driven by the customer to say, hey, here's where we should be going. And if our product owner is from technology and we just like decide what the heck we want to do by ourselves and we're not really doing agile right, right, then uh, then sure, that that can happen. But if we're if we've got product owners from the business, then they're really being good about setting that strategy, then um, then this shouldn't happen. Well, let's give people who do the work agency to do their work. How about that? That's a novel idea. Whoa. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, it comes down to, I think you were saying it earlier, Greg, about kind of it helps the teams. It helps the people that are doing the work, right? And so there's the whole idea of kind of pride and motivation. And we've all seen it with teams. But I was reading an interesting study recently uh, that was done by Yale. What, you were reading a study? Oh, crazy. Yeah, I know, right? Anyway, so yeah, there's a Yale study uh, about janitors in hospitals in Massachusetts. And Wait, it's, hold on a second. You're seriously going to talk about janitors in a hospital? Right, because well, think about the one job when everyone's like, yeah, that's not the job I would want to do. I'm, I'm not going to get motivated to do that job. But they found, all, they found all these janitors at this, at this hospital in Massachusetts, and they were like, really love their jobs. And they're like, what is going on? Right? And so what they found is that they were self-motivated in terms of the patients and the people they were there that were there to visit their patients, mm-hmm. right? That they were contributing to they were contributing, that overall happiness and health and things yeah, like that. Yeah, and, and helping people in times where it could be a little rough. Mm-hmm. So if people were in the waiting room at, at late at night and asleep, they wouldn't come in and vacuum the, the carpet, 
right? Because that was a task that they were supposed to do, but they looked at it and said, no, that's not right for the people here. We're not going to mop the floors at this particular time of day because that's the time that this particular inmate, inmate, I'm talking about the inmates though, <laughs> right? I know, I've, people in hospitals sometimes yeah, feel right. like inmates. Yeah, right, probably feel that way, right? Yeah, so patients would, you know, that an older patient would get up and that's when they would, you know, take a walk mm -hmm. and they were worried about him falling down, you know? And so they kind of had that pride and that self-organization, that self-motivation. And empowerment. And empowerment, yeah. exactly. You know, and so it's, you know, it, it kind of translates to me, you know, in terms of kind of giving teams that level mm -hmm. of, you know, hey, I want to do things the best way because I know how, rather than here's all your tasks, get them done, right? And that if janitors can do it, then software developers and testers certainly should be able to. All right, you saved yourself on that one, nerd. I got, we, that was a good story, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to like that one. So I think we're going to take a break here and uh, we're going to regroup and blah, blah, whatever that means. So and and some ads from our commercial sponsors. Yes. Yeah. Prison of crumb story for you. Oh, here we go. You know we save a crumb. Hmm. Slinging wisdom with a side of cheesesteak when he opened his restaurant. Because <laughs> yeah. he was always have all these funny yeah. things to say. Yeah. And it's like right. slinging wisdom with a side of cheesesteak. I'm as enamored with all the agile podcasts and websites and... <laughs> <laughs> articles and blog posts is nerd Brandon. So I'm going to say, cause I come from the business world. So for me, the business outcomes are the, are the interesting thing. And agile is the best way to get there. So you're, you're not the normal ex. You're not the normal coach. He means that in a good way. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, you're not. I mean, no. that's why I told, that's why I just said that too. Yeah, I'm starting to rethink the fact that I made him the host, but we'll get into that in another episode. Yeah, you know what? He was like, okay, where are you? Apparently I've been in Colorado or Washington state, <laughs> which is why we have Christy on the call and not Brandon reading books from 1700. Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Well, that wraps this episode. If you have questions or feedback, please send them to feedback at agileafterdark.com. I should not burp into the microphone. Is that correct? I kind of had one of those where I was like, <laughs> I was like